Welcome to the Authority Podcast, Plumbing and Mechanical. When talking about the built environment, we would do well to remember, we shape our buildings and afterwards our buildings shape us. Therefore, on each episode, we'll discuss the latest trends from IATMO in plumbing and mechanical safety, sustainability, and resiliency. Join me, your host, Christoph Lohr, and together we'll explore the ways we can make our buildings shape us for the better. Epic Cleantech is closing the loop on water, helping buildings recycle up to 95% of their wastewater right on site. Named a Time Magazine Best Invention of the Year, the Epic One Water System has set a new standard for water reuse in the built environment. Learn more at epiccleantech.com. The high volume of wastewater generated by hospitals historically is a challenge for engineers that want to promote safety and sustainability. Not only that, but due to waterborne pathogen concerns, hospitals are set to flush even more water to drain in an effort to control water age. On today's podcast, I'll be speaking with Bob Salvatelli, Director of Water Organization for Nextera Distributed Water, and Patricia Sinacropi, Executive Director of the Water Reuse Association, about how hospital water reuse systems work, costs that hospitals need to consider upfront for installation and ongoing maintenance, and what policymakers should consider for codes and standards governing hospital reuse. Let's get to our discussion. Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. And we also have joining us Bob Salvatelli. Bob, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I'm really excited to have both you guys on here uh, to talk about the subject because I think it's one that's probably maybe an emerging concept that a lot of us are starting a conversation about, but in some ways it's already been established too. Let's start with the question, you know, especially in healthcare. You know, hospitals historically use a lot of water. What steps can hospitals take to reduce their wastewater discharge to the building sewer system? And Pat, do you have any thoughts on that? Sure. Yes. And as you noted in your introductory remark, that hospitals are not only high users of water, but the discharge of their wastewater stream obviously contains a lot of biohazard material that otherwise we wouldn't want in our surface waters and uh, demand a higher level of treatment. So water recycling systems is a very good alternative for hospitals to take a look at and consider installing so that they're not only reducing their overall uh, water consumption from the general grid, if you will, but they're also providing that additional treatment to their waste streams that produces a, a higher quality effluent and um, minimizes the risks, the public health risks associated with uh, otherwise their their conventional wastewater stream. So I think it's a great alternative for hospitals to look at. I think that's a, that's a really nice broad-based view of this. And diving into the details a little bit, so there's, there's the, obviously the implication of, of hospitals using a lot of water and this opportunity here. But then the next question I think that comes up is, can hospitals safely reuse their wastewater? So maybe, Bob, are there uses for treated hospital wastewater? Yeah, absolutely, Christoph. I mean, we have an example in the photograph behind me of a hospital where commissioned uh, a few months ago in Atlanta that's treating up to 250,000 gallons a day of combined wastewater and safely using it in cooling tower applications, boiler makeup applications, uh, maybe eventually some land application for irrigation as the hospital you know, settles out its construction. So the answer is yes, it's being done today. Pat was correct that the streams are very different than domestic waste, traditional domestic waste with you know, dialysis and all the pharma that goes on within a hospital setting. So you have to use a little bit more sophisticated equipment up close and personal when you do on-site uh, reuse to really effectively do what you want to do to meet the reclaim standard. 
but absolutely it can be done and is being done as we speak. Excellent. Excellent. Well, there's an opportunity there. It can be done safely. But the one question that seems to come up a lot now with hospitals is waterborne pathogens, right? You know, uh, things like Legionella pneumophila. Pat, maybe let me direct this question towards you. More hospitals are flushing water at showers and, and lavatories daily. Um, I've been having a lot of conversations on my end with a lot of different facilities that are really trying to be mindful of this concern of waterborne pathogens, such as Legionella pneumophila. Is there a possibility of collecting this gray water and using it to flush toilets in certain areas? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's really what the design purpose is for these on-site systems, is capturing uh, the gray water, treating it to very high standards, and using it for non-potable application purposes in the building, such as flushing and other cooling needs and other purposes, as Bob just outlined. And the benefit of taking a water recycling approach is that you're using the most sophisticated treatment technology that exists. Uh, You're putting in redundant treatment systems. You're really pulling out absolutely every potential harmful constituent in that water, including pathogens and viruses. And, And so, you know, we now have technology is becoming increasingly affordable, that really does purify water to a standard that is beyond beyond drinkable. And hospital effluent is a perfect use application, if you will, for, uh, for using those technologies that can really, really treat to quite high standards and allow the hospital to reuse that water stream. Pat, that's a really wonderful way of explaining that. And I, I hadn't thought of that before. And I, I, you know, when I've worked in healthcare uh, as a, a plumbing design professional, so many of the systems like uh, MedGas or whatnot always had redundancy to them, uh, you know, to, to have some sort of additional failsafe. And, and what you bring up is this wonderful point of, you know, redundancy in, in water quality. Uh, and that's what I'm, just, I'm definitely going to hold on to uh, from, our, from our conversation here. So, you know, we have this opportunity for additional redundancy. You know, maybe let me bounce this back to Bob here. So we have this opportunity for additional redundancy, enhanced water safety. So what does that look like? You know, so how does what does a water reuse system look like in a in a healthcare facility? You know, how do they work? What monitoring and testing protocols ensure the quality of the reuse water? And is there, has there any cost that that hospitals and healthcare facilities should be aware of for installation and ongoing maintenance? Yeah, that's a loaded question there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Um, Selfishly, the plug for this project is that we did this under a water processing agreement by which the hospital doesn't pay anything. So it's just like a solar transaction. So there is no additional cost to the client. We bring the expense, both the design permit and op- commissioning and you know execution of the project and then the ongoing maintenance. So in this scenario, it's a really a win for the hospital and their payback is essentially day one. In a normal environment, as Pat mentioned, you know, you're talking about some very sophisticated equipment with MBR technology and, and things of that sort with 0.01 micron effectiveness of treatment of, of pathogens, of removal of pathogens, in addition to dual disinfection. And also, we do not decouple from the water treatment supplier on site. So there's still a chemical biological process that happens or dosing that happens, biocides that happen to uh, correct cooling tower, Legionella, potential Legionella issues. So when you add all that in and the redundancy of controls to allow for the inline monitoring of all this, Pat said it better than I could. It's basically drinking water. It's not sold as drinking water, but it's drinking water quality because these technologies are light years ahead of conventional systems. So when you bring it up close, you can use it very quickly. You can turn it around in eight to 12 hours, and then you could add storage 
as part of the of the resiliency for the system. So clean water storage to allow for something on the other side. So the city water turns off for a few hours. Those cooling towers and boilers can keep going. Surgeries can keep happening. So the resiliency play, in addition to not costing anything, really was the driver for that project. That's that's a really again another insightful piece here is the resiliency. You know, the water gets shut off you know, from the city for you know some kind of natural disaster of some kind. Again, there seems to be a lot of really amazing benefits here. You know, as we talk about benefits, you know, we always have to be mindful of things to be kind of kind of considering during that process of utilizing you know new technologies or maybe not even new technologies, but technologies new to a certain you know a certain owner or facility. I imagine there's probably some skill sets that hospitals should consider when they're hiring a water reuse system designer, installer, and maintainer. And, and, and maybe Pat, you can touch on that a little bit. What you've seen and what guidance maybe you would give in that regard. Sure, certainly as. More communities and businesses are adopting water recycling approaches and systems. The need for capacity, a workforce to be able to operate and maintain those systems is obviously um, heightened and and needed. So uh, thankfully, there's now quite a few consulting engineering firms, Bob's company, for example, others um, other businesses that have the talent that you would need to come in and operate and maintain those systems, facility managers of buildings that adopt uh, water recycling, on-site water recycling systems will obviously need to receive certifications and and acquire the talent that needed to, to operate an on-site system locally. It does require additional expertise, but thankfully we're seeing more and more engineers with the skill set needed to maintain and operate the systems efficiently. So that's really good to hear. And I think that obviously, you know, as systems and what we do in industry becomes more complex, there's definitely this need for, you know, additional people and then additional standards. And I think, you know, when it comes to codes and standards, one more question for you here, Pat, is how should municipalities think about codes and regulations that govern hospital water reuse? You know, I, on our end, IATMO, you know, we have the water efficiency and sanitation standard, which has a lot of water reuse provisions in there. You know, there's a new IATMO ANSI standard uh, Z1324, if I remember right, the number correctly, that talks about the specific things. And I know as an engineer, when I was doing design, you know, if I could easily refer to a standard or to a code section, you know, it definitely streamlined my process. What's been your experience, Pat, in terms of guiding municipalities in terms of codes and regulations when it comes to water reuse to try to help streamline this process maybe a little bit more? Well, one of the things we're doing at the Water Reuse Association is supporting the efforts that are underway to develop a standard set of local regulations and ordinances that can oversee the operation of on-site systems. We support the National Blue Ribbon Commission for uh, Non-Potable On-Site Water Recycling Systems. That is the work that they're doing is precisely this work, identifying those standards and regulations that need to be in place locally to ensure the safe oversight of on-site systems. Luckily, we're now further down the road than we were 10 years ago, and there are you know many examples of communities that have adopted regulations, ordinances that other communities can look to and, and adopt pretty easily on their own. So that's the work that I think is in front of us, um, trying to encourage as many communities and municipalities as possible to adopt local plumbing standards that uh, facilitate uh, greater adoption of, uh, of on-site systems. It's important work and it's being done. 
No, that's, that's really exciting to hear. Well, as we wrap up, let me ask each of you one last question. And Pat, you've already been on here. This is your second time on the podcast. We'd absolutely love to have you on third and fourth and, and so on many times. And Bob, this is your first time on. And I would imagine we'd have you come back on to talk more about you know, water reuses in general, because it does seem to be a very hot topic now. So the next time you guys come on, you know, the next year or two, what do you think we're going to be talking about when it comes to, to water reuse? And I guess I'll, I'll start with you, Bob, and then Pat, uh, if you want to wrap us up. Yeah, the first projects we did out of the gate were on the smaller side, you know, half a million gallons a day, you know, sub sub one million. Um, by the time we talk again, you'll see some examples of two and three and four million gallon a day systems um, using all methodologies that you can imagine from, you know, treatment of like MBR all the way to desal. We have a very robust pipeline and a lot of adoption coming forward because of projects like this, because of the things the Water Reuse Association has done with regards to changing policies in specific states like 1289 in Texas recently to allow folks like us to do what we do. So I think the adoption is, we're in the early stages of it. And I think in the next couple of years, you'll see some, some massive things all on the way to direct portable reuse. But I think there's an interim step, which is on site for the next, you know, uh, you know, couple decades before we get very serious in that space. Excellent. And Pat, bring us home. What, what do you think we're going to be talking about in the next, uh, next time we have you on the podcast in regards to water reuse? How much its adoption has accelerated. Um, you know, we're seeing places we never thought we would be talking to, talking to them about water recycling. Um, regions of the country that don't have necessarily water scarcity issues actually do have water scarcity issues. And so uh, I think in two or three years, we're all going to be surprised by just how accelerated the interest and adoption is in, um, in water reuse. Well, on behalf of the Authority Podcast, Plumbing Mechanical and IAMO, I just want to say thank you, Pat. Thank you, Bob, for joining, for sharing your expertise and your insights. Uh, and look forward to having you back on the show sometime soon. Sure thing. Thank you, Christoph. Thank you, Christoph. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Authority Podcast, Plumbing and Mechanical. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Please follow us on Twitter, at AuthorityPM, on Instagram, at The Authority Podcast, or email us at iatmo at iatmo.org. Join us next time for another episode of the Authority Podcast, Plumbing and Mechanical. In the meantime, let's work together to make our buildings more resilient and shape us for the better.